Welcome to Bare Roots, the podcast that unearths the truth. Allegedly. We're your hosts. I'm Alina. And I'm Shannon. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Bare Roots Podcast. Today, we have an exciting episode because we're talking about Alcatraz. So Shannon, how are you feeling about today's episode? I'm super excited. You know, I've been wanting to talk about this one for a while. We're finally doing it. I'm really excited. This was a very interesting podcast to research. I feel like we say that every week because we do. <laughs> but <laughs> I think it's just so interesting. It's just so interesting or else we wouldn't do it. Um, <laughs> but I really knew little to nothing about Alcatraz other than it was a prison on an island off of San Francisco. But we learned a lot. We're going over basically the most notorious escape from the island. There have been many escapes in the past, but all of them unsuccessful or pretty much unsuccessful. But this is the last like mystery to be had. Yes. Or was it successful? I don't know. Right. We don't know. Yeah. Like that is what we're going to talk about today. Um, It certainly didn't get caught. So (laughs) yes, the jury is still out on what happened. So you're going to hear where our tinfoil hats is on the situation. But when I was doing the research and stuff, I kept envisioning myself like you've been there because I this is a place I think you would thoroughly enjoy because it has the history, the research. But I'm like, no, I don't think you've ever been to San Francisco and like gone to Alcatraz. No, I have picture you went there when you were like 12 on a family vacation, like vividly in my mind. <laughs> no, <Nope. laughs> you know how you guys went to Hoover Dam yeah stuff like that like I picture I was on that trip you guys <laughs> made your way made it over, to San Francisco <laughs> made it to San Francisco the whole family went to Alcatraz because that is totally up your family's alley and yeah. just like learned about it da, da 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 so just hearing that you've had little knowledge on it from like the obvious is just really shocking yeah I mean I would have loved to go I would still love to go but you, you have go. gone we should go. Yes. Yes. That'll be the next trip. Okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was planning things. <laughs> that sounds great. Here first. <laughs> I also want to do like a Princess Diaries tour. <laughs> yes. You can see the whole house. Oh, yes. <laughs> you know, Painted Ladies. We can do Lombard Street. Mm-hmm. Oh, we'll it'll be fabulous. Bridge, of course. It's a whole trip. It's a whole trip. Duh. Of course. Again, stick to <laughs> Stay tuned. You know, maybe we'll do kind of like a Charleston episode where this is all <laughs> research. research. There's some spooky stories in uh, San Fran. But yeah, so anyways, I have been to Alcatraz and I loved it. It was a fabulous experience. You get on the ferry. It takes about, I want to say it was like a 30 minute ride. It wasn't too bad. It's about, it, I know from researching, it's a mile and a quarter long between Alcatraz and like the main island. Okay. So Yeah, that's really not bad at all. Um, I think just because the ferry is slow and you have to like load up all the people and blah, blah, blah. And I'm very curious to know what they do now because of COVID. When I did it, it was pre-COVID and they gave you your own personal headset. So you got to listen and do the walkthrough. Like if you're at station one, press one and it would tell you about all the stories. So it was really cool. And at the end, there's a big uh, gift store, which, you know, of course, there's got to be a little gift shop. And there was this man. He was probably 
in his like 85, like late 80s or something. And he was at the table. And I guess he comes like twice a week or something. And he's there to promote his book, which you can buy in the gift shop. And I wish I remembered the man's name. I don't have the book on me. But yeah, he was doing a little book signing. So of course, we're like, wow, you know, this is a living person who was in Alcatraz. How cool. So I had to think of a question. And I'm like, it can't be a basic question. And I think I had a really good one in my mind. I don't know. You can judge me. <laughs> so we walk up to him and it's kind of weird because I'm like, wow, only the bad, bad, bad guys go to Alcatraz. Mm-hmm. So it's to look at this man who did something, some horrible crime to land himself in Alcatraz was a bit scary, but also non-threatening because he was so old that I think right. I could have been able to, you know, protect myself if need be. But um, <laughs> just a very... It was like a weird dynamic. And so I asked him when he was signing his signature. <laughs> I have a convex signature. I said, after this experience being in Alcatraz and when you finally escaped, did you feel this sense of I need to do better? Like I want to do good. Like I need to make a shift in my life because that's what I imagine, right? Like as a sane person, you and I oh, we would never want to break the law. And if you did, okay, you know, I've learned my lesson. I mm-hmm. want to move forward, right? That's my thinking. He was like, no, He's, you, you have to understand this was our profession. Like this was our job. And not only was this a profession, but we were good at what we did. So mm-hmm. it was like an addiction and we wanted to keep on going. So there was nothing for me in the real life couldn't really do anything so what was I supposed to do it was just to maintain kind of like the lifestyle aka being like a convict and I was like that is so interesting I guess I've just never thought of it in like that perspective that sometimes these people just I don't want to say they don't want to get help but kind of where they just have this rationale like yeah this is what I do this is what I do best and I'm gonna keep doing it yeah that does make sense yeah. And I did find out his big thing was counterfeit checks, which made me feel better. I'm like, oh my God, is this man a murderer? Like, is that why he ended up at Alcatraz? Counterfeit <laughs> checks. I'm like, okay, that's a little less threatening. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> I can handle that. Yeah. So you have his book. So I have his book. I actually have not finished reading it. So uh, TBD <laughs> on a book review, but yeah, it was a very pleasant experience. A very well, unique good. one to say. Yeah. We'll definitely have to go back sometime and maybe he's still there. (laughs) Maybe, hopefully. Yeah. And now since the Alcatraz is a museum and no longer a prison, only few are still alive who, you know, were former prisoners, which is quite fascinating. Yeah, because I think it ended in 1963. So yeah, we're getting slim on who's alive still. Exactly. And so with that being said, let's learn about Alcatraz shall we yeah let's go into it so Alcatraz is an island uh, off the coast of San Francisco in the San Francisco Bay it's 225 acres in 1850 it was set aside to be used by the government to build a fortress to protect the bay and that was basically because of the gold rush and San Francisco was just booming in population So they just needed to protect it a little bit more. And it was actually the most heavily fortified fort on the West Coast at that time. And it was the first location of a lighthouse on the West Coast, which got Mm. me to thinking, are there just not like lighthouses on the West Coast? 
because you when you think lighthouse you think new england and new england yeah. only and i'm like yeah. why why is that though because don't you need light everywhere <laughs> <laughs> that's a great point because when i think of the west coast in california specifically i don't picture or remember any lighthouses <laughs> like why all. is that is it because is the They're east so... coast a little bit more rocky so you mm, Maybe, Maybe it would by the time like California was discovered and whatnot as like a US territory, we had technology to help sailors versus the lighthouses are older. I don't know, like compared to know. the East Coast. I don't know. This was a question I should have looked up, but that's okay. Let's just a small little uh, yeah. Yeah, just know. a small little fun <laughs> fact that it was the first location on the West Coast. By the late 1850s, it was the it held its first military prisoners. So again, this is still the fortress time. It's not technically a prison yet. And I apologize if you hear noise above me. The neighbors upstairs are making a lot of noise. <laughs> it's like they have lead shoes on. Don't they know? <laughs> <laughs> so Alcatraz actually never fired its weapons in battle. And the need for it to be just just this defensive base kind of diminished over time but it did continue and stayed on as a military prison in 1909 the citadel was torn down except for the basement so the building that was there and then a new military prison was built on top of that and that was the building that would be nicknamed the rock the u.s army would use this until 1933 and then it was to turned over to the Department of Justice to become a maximum security prison for the most notorious criminals. And it basically, this was something interesting, that they wanted to show the public that the government was like serious about stopping the massive amounts of crime that were occurring in the 20s and 30s during the Prohibition and mm. the Great Depression. You know, everything was a little shady and... Mm-hmm. So the government was just like, let's just build this maximum security prison so people feel safe. It was deemed inescapable, even though it is fairly close to San Francisco, but they were confident in their abilities to keep people in. Right. Like, imagine being a prisoner. Like, what a mindfuck it would be to just see the public, the outside world so closely. Yeah. But so far away. But so far away. The water surrounding the prison stay around 48 to 54 degrees all year. So that's pretty cold. A little bit colder Mm -hmm. than I was expecting, but I guess San Francisco is up north, huh? Mm -hmm. Yeah, no. San Francisco is one of those places, if you know nothing about it, you hear, oh, it's in California. It's going to be warm. Mm -hmm. Wrong. It is a very (laughs) chilly place. Um, It's always cloudy. It's like the overcast it's always chilly i would say it hovers like around 60 degrees which i know that's not cold but compared about to that area yeah it's chilly when you're picturing 80 degrees and you walk into a 60 degree area with wind chills yeah it's cold yeah that is cool <laughs> the water around the island also has very strong currents that pull out to sea so just just to set the stage <laughs> for mm-hmm. the area around The Alcatraz as a maximum security prison operated from 1934 to 1963, which is shorter than what I thought it did. Mm. 
and during it, the time that time it housed some of America's most notorious criminals like Al Capone, George Machine Gun Kelly, and this is not the artist. This is not Megan Fox's boyfriend. <laughs> uh, this is the actual Machine Gun Kelly. <laughs> The original gangster, like truly, <laughs> truly <laughs> the OG machine gun Kelly. <laughs> yeah. So the machine gun Kelly, we all know unoriginal. Yeah. unoriginal. Yeah. <laughs> then there was Alvin Carpus, who was a criminal that was designated as the first public enemy number one. And the Birdman, Robert Stroud. I looked him up and he was interesting because he I'm pretty sure he murdered somebody but then when he was in prison he took care of all these birds and that's Mm -hmm. where he got the bird man and he had like 200 canaries he saved a couple birds and then he they just i guess reproduced (laughs) and he had so many birds (laughs) yeah he's an interesting guy i feel like there's a movie about him but i could be wrong yeah he's obviously he's notorious for a reason but i think you're right i think there's got to be something about him where people know his background a little more and just looking at a picture of his face he has a face for a bird man you know yeah like if you picture bird man then you look at him <laughs> you're like yeah <laughs> it's exactly what you picture <laughs> yeah so over the years there were 14 escape attempts involving 34 different inmates 15 were caught eight gave up seven were shot and killed one was confirmed drowned and five were assumed drowned and we're gonna go over Again, the most famous and probably the most speculative escape in the prison's history, which was the 1962 Alcatraz escape attempt. Yes. So before we talk about the escape, we'll hear a word from our sponsors. Alrighty, let's talk about this infamous escape. So there are four characters in this uh, storyline. So we have two brothers and these are the Inglewood brothers. So we have John William and Clarence who were both in their early thirties at the time of the escape. And they were serving time for robbing a bank together, which can we just talk about, you know, imagine going to jail with your brother. Like, would that be a good thing? You know, I don't know. Maybe it'd be a little comforting. Well, that's the thing because they went to a couple different prisons before coming here. So, like, they kept them together the entire time, which is sweet, but also, like, (laughs) uh... yeah, just also, what are the chances of that happening? Because, like you said, for most of these people, they did go to other prisons and they did probably something where they escaped or whatever. Like, okay, you know what? If you're going to do this, like, we're going to send you to Alcatraz. So the Mm -hmm. fact that both these brothers landed there, interesting. Well... To be fair, they did do all their crimes together. So mm-hmm. I guess it would make sense that they go to the same state prison if they were convicted in the same state. And then they also tried to escape together. So, but it just seems like if these brothers already tried to escape together, like yeah. maybe let's not put them in the same yeah. place. Yeah. And certainly not in cells adjacent to each other. Like, come on, <laughs> yeah. people. <laughs> <laughs> let's like put two and two together, people. But Alina, I have to say... I'm sure you saw multiple photos of these people and I have to say very attractive. (laughs) Shannon, I'm so glad you said that because I, ever since I went to Alcatraz and, you know, they show the photos, I'm like, my God, these are some good looking criminals. All of them, I swear, 
90% of them are very good looking men. Like, is it the hair? Like, what am I missing now? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I, yes, they're black and white photos, but you can tell like some of them have like very beautiful light eyes. You can see them in the photos and like the hairstyle is just prim and proper. I don't know. There is something. (laughs) Something. Like, is this where we get the bad boy, you know? Like, (laughs) Like, I get it. I get it. Well, no wonder Clint Eastwood played one of them. Well, I don't know if he was an England brother. He might have been one of the mm. other ones, but he played one of the escapees in the famous movie from the 70s. Not far off, you know? Not- <laughs> the casting director understood the assignment and definitely looked at all of those people there and were like, yes, like we need to make sure that we line this up. <laughs> it might have been Clint, Clint Eastwood too. He might have directed. I don't know. <laughs> he might have yeah, picked yeah. himself. Something of uh, that likeness. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, but they were, yeah, they were easy on the eyes. I agree. We'll have to post their photo. On yeah, <laughs> we will. Yeah, and then you guys can let us know in the comments. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so just have that little tidbit in your mind. <laughs> This was at the tail end of researching. So, you know, like they're in person. They're bad people. I know they're attractive, but they're bad people. They're bad, bad. <laughs> Don't let that fool you. Don't let it fool <laughs> you. Don't be tricked. Um, <laughs> but I was looking into how they got arrested, I guess. And they were apparently only targeting businesses that were closed. So like nobody was going to get hurt. They were just mm. breaking in empty buildings mm-hmm. and then they only allegedly carried a weapon once and it was a toy gun it's like come on wow. these, these they are had, harmless they had no major ill intention with the public right and yeah they're like two of 13 children in a family in the dust bowl while they're farmers they're they're, mm-hmm. they're not they're not farmers like they help their farm hands i guess in the sense of like they go around to different farms all across the country to help pick things so it's like that's a rough that's yeah. a rough childhood to be yeah going all around yeah i understand uh, why you need the money and you got 13 siblings you know it's like that's a lot yeah. of kids yep and you're willing to go, risk it all you you're know? willing to risk it all to and you know they originally got arrested and were sent to Atlanta prison and they tried to escape numerous times there. I guess that's what lands you in Alcatraz. You don't have to necessarily be like a violent criminal, but if yeah. you try to escape too many prisons <laughs> mm-hmm. prior to that, you're just going to go to the inescapable one. Yep, exactly. So that's the England brothers. Mm-hmm. And the next uh, person we have up on the list is frank morris so he was about the same age too he was in his mid-30s at the time of the escape and his childhood was also rough he he was abandoned when he was a very young child and he was just in and out of foster care and he too was there for robbing a bank and reportedly he was ranked in the top two percent for intelligence with an iq of 133 which i can't remember what einstein's is off the top of my head but Okay, so Albert Einstein ranges from 205 to 225, but it does say (laughs) anyone who is above 124 is pretty much considered gifted. Okay, cool. Yeah, 
which, you know, let's just remember that, right? In this prison escape. And his whole background in like how he ended up in jail, he escaped prison in Louisiana and then he was recaptured a year year later while committing a burglary. And then that's what sent him to Alcatraz. So again, very similar to the brothers. Yeah, so he successfully escaped Louisiana. Yeah. And was living for a year outside of it. <laughs> but then he had to go and burgle. And and, uh, <laughs> that's what I'm cut. saying. It's like what the guy said. Yes. You know, you just can't stop. Like It's your job and you're good at it. And clearly he's smart. Like he's done this before. Yes. And successfully. And successfully, yeah. And the fourth guy is Alan West. And again, similar situation. He's like in his mid-30s. He was about 33 at the time. And he was originally imprisoned in Atlanta, then Florida for car theft. And then after some escape attempts, he was sent to Alcatraz. So West is the guy who has all the information, the reason why we have a lot of knowledge on this whole escape, because he was a big part of it. And you'll find out later why a little bit more. But so he was the one who allegedly approached Morris about a plan in the early 60s. So it was kind of like them too, right? The brothers mm-hmm. weren't necessarily in it. And West apparently knew of a ventilator cover above cell block B that might not be sealed with concrete versus like the rest were. And so he was gambling that if it was true, this could provide them with a way out so they could get to the roof from the inside at the time. So these guys, when they're in prison, they also make you work. So you have different jobs while you're there. You're not just sitting in your cell doing nothing. So he began working with the cell house crew, which gave him insights um, to the building structure, layout, and weaknesses, which mm. reminds me of a TV show where this guy, before he went to prison, he knew which like prison he was going to end up and he memorized the layout of the whole place. So he knew what where it all go precious information to know if you're trying to escape smart 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 yep so by september of 1961 the brothers had later joined in on the whole conversation they wanted in and so they made a pack with between the four of them and they had all requested to move to the cells that were close to each other in cell block b and that was approved so The way you can think of Alcatraz is it's kind of like streets, if you will. And they named a street of like a row of um, cells. So it'd be like cell block A and it would have like, I don't know, let's say seven cells. And then they have another row that would be cell block B. And then another is like cell block D. And the other one was for people who, oh, what's the um, term when you're in a cell, but you get like no light and- Solitary confinement. Yes, thank you. Yeah, so that was like another row of people who got that. So basically they were asking to move streets essentially. So that way they could be in cell block B. I can't believe it was approved. (laughs) I know, that's another thing. I'm like, why? Like you can just request to move and like be near your buddies essentially. Very interesting. Very interesting. And also you have to think in this time too, the people who were um, the guards, which is also another fascinating thing. The guards' families lived on this island too. Wild. So yeah, there are, there's documentaries you can watch. I was a child who grew up on Alcatraz, which is just insane. But they were under this notion that 
yeah, sure. I mean, go ahead. If you want to escape, you can escape, but you're not going to survive. We're surrounded by the deep currents, like you mentioned, yeah. and like the water's so cold, you're not going to be able to do it. So there was this sense of maybe that's why they allowed them to all be next to mm. each other. Like, well, I mean, what else? You know, it's not like you can leave, you know? Right. But this is where they tried. So there's three phases we'll go into. The first phase is the deception phase. And this is where they were like, okay, we're going to come up with a game plan and we're going to escape. But we're going to have painted dummy heads made out of soap, concrete, and other materials complete with human hair that they laid on their beds to fool the guards. So when they would walk by, it looked like a human head, but it was all just fake. And an interesting thing to know is that Clarence worked as a barber. So he probably was the one who collected all the hair so they could put it on the dummy. And then they took a painting so that they could get the materials and even painted their girlfriends so that they have like a flesh color paint. I saw the paintings that they painted of their girlfriends and oh my God, amazing. Like, they were also super talented. It was <laughs> so smart, so like creative and talented. <laughs> and good looking. What? And good looking. Yeah. These are some prime men. Other than the part, you know, that, you know, they're criminals, but, but, you know, details. Almost <laughs> petty crimes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So for months, they had been drilling small holes around the vent because like I talked about, they knew that it, one of them um, or a few of them didn't have like concrete. And they started using handmade tools like spoons that they had stolen from the kitchen. And they even took out a drill from the vacuum cleaner motor to help them with the hole, carving out a place for them to essentially escape. And so these holes made it possible to remove the small section around the air vents. And then when they were working on it, they would essentially cover it up with like a musical instrument. So I guess it got like music class too. So they could put like a guitar to cover up. Yeah. So the guards wouldn't notice anything um, or they have suitcases or like a cardboard that looked like the vents and like, again, probably like painted that. So they would not be, you know, suspects in that. So smart. So smart. And then they had found a utility corridor that was typically left unguarded. So it was like, bam, this is going to be our hangout spot and we're going to come up with a game plan. Mm -hmm. So they found a hidden landing area directly above their cell block where they worked on for several months. And this is where they were doing maintenance work in this area. And they were able to get away with it because they put blankets up in this area. And they said, oh, it's just so dusty. We need to cover it up. And the guards were like, yeah, that's totally fine. But in reality, this is where they had their secret workshop. Which is also so ballsy. I couldn't believe. I mean, obviously it takes months to do this, but they actually carved that. Like they, they found a, they made a workshop. They found a little spot (laughs) to do all these activities. Yes, exactly. So were they using the head, the like paper mache heads? Were those in the beds when they were in the workshop working? Yeah, they were like in the workshop. Okay. They were part of that it. makes yep. more sense because I thought yep. they made those just for the night they escaped. And I'm like, oh, I mean, okay, that seems like a lot of work to make yeah. these heads for you just a couple more hours. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> just a couple more hours without the guards noticing. But that makes yeah. sense if they were using it the whole time. Gotcha. Yep, exactly. And in that little workshop, they even made life preservers. 
and a small like six by 14 foot rubber raft all made from the prison issued raincoats. So this was going to be their boat to escape. So they basically gathered over 50 jackets and stitched it all together. And they even vulcanized the rubber raincoats by holding the seams up to the heat from the steam pipes. So smart. So smart. Like, like we need to melt this. So what do we have? <laughs> yeah. And I read they have read it in some sort of like mechanic magazine or something mm. like that. And they were talking about it. they're like, wait, let's try it on here. So they made it work. They yep. sure did. So this is the next phase. Phase two is the breakout. So they've been working, crafting, and banging on the doors of the vents. And on the night of June 11th, they decided to finally escape through the vents because it was very foggy and they could get past the guards once they were outside. But the sad part is West never made it to his landing spot. So only the brothers and Morris ended up escaping because Wes was unable to break through the ventilators. So he had to stay behind and they left without him, which is really sad because if he really did come up with the whole game plan, he was the one that was left behind. I know we shouldn't feel sorry for these people, but (laughs) (laughs) well, I was wondering, do you think you would lie and say that you were the mastermind to make yourself feel a little bit more important? Or do you think that you wouldn't lie about it because it could potentially get you in more trouble? Question mark. I guess but I would you're say giving I up did the information. It. Yeah. 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 And that's essentially how we all know this more detailed, like behind the scenes stuff, because Wes was left behind. So he worked with the officers and whatnot and shared the insights on this whole escape plan. Yeah. And so he walked them through it and explains that they were going to push the air vent cover off the roof, which is exactly what they did. And then they ran across the roof shimmied down the bakery smokestack, climbed over the fence, and they made it to shore of the Alcatraz Island. And so this is the hardest part, right? They got out of the, well, I would argue maybe the hardest part. I don't know. Is that the hardest part you would say? I guess probably. Um, What, to get out of the building? Just like get out of the building. Yeah. That's pretty hard. But like we said before, there were like those 14 escape attempts. So yeah, a couple more people were able to do that. Yeah. But then you have to hit the elements. Right. And there are sharks too, because it's a bay. So sharks go in and out and they would talk about it and you could see their fins and they, the guards oh, would go, oh, yeah, like look at the sharks and da da da. So yeah, you're battling with a lot. So phase three was literally just leaving the island. Yeah. So they inflated the raft that they had created using a converted musical instrument. Again, so smart. And the plan was to sail to Angel Island, which was about two miles north, which I had always interpreted they were just going to go straight to the mainland, but they actually were trying to break it up. And then they would sail again across Raccoon Strait, which would bring them to the mainland. And then their idea was to steal a car and, of course, clothing. It could be like civilian wear, according to Wes. And it wasn't until June 12th. That's when the guards all discovered they were gone. So, of course, Alcatraz went into a lockdown. And this is where people say that worked there, tried to look for them, that the raft and escapees were never to be seen again. So what happened to them? That is the question. That is the question that everybody's been asking since 
what are we, 1962? Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, we have two theories, and I do have to say they are kind of obvious. <laughs> <laughs> we got there's actually no aliens here. <laughs> <laughs> That's next week. No, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> So, of course, theory number one, and this is the theory that the government took, I guess, I guess to this day. I mean, it's still kind of an open mm-hmm. case. Yeah. I was reading that it's going to be open until they reach the age of 99, which is soon. Oh, wow. Yeah. Because then they just assume, obviously, they're dead at that point. They're dead. Yeah. Hmm. I guess that's the, the benchmark, huh? When cases are now they officially close then i think they are technically still looking for them quote unquote yeah yeah <laughs> but they will stop uh <laughs> looking <laughs> once they turn 99 so the obvious theory is that they died on the journey and we've already alluded to a lot of these factors but you know the water is so cold the current is so strong there are sharks And experts say that taking a raft north would have been extremely difficult at this time, especially since they had no rudder. So it's like, how Mm -hmm. the hell are you going to steer this thing? A reenactment showed two of the men would have had to work to keep the raft inflated, leaving only one to paddle. So Mm -hmm. that's also tough. (laughs) Tough (laughs) to get anywhere with that. Yep. And the weather would have been about 47 degrees and the water was 54 degrees. So if it sunk, they would have lasted about two hours. Yeah. I don't know exactly how long it would have taken, but we have some estimates. It is kind of enough time, but you'd have to be like a strong swimmer, know what you're doing and all that. Yeah. Yeah. On June 12th, there were bits of the paddle that were found near Angel Island. So they did find some things. And on June 14th, bags made from raincoats were found halfway between Angel or Angel Island and the main island. They had photos of their families, papers with numbers, and a letter. So obviously these were their belongings. And people think that this shows that they probably died because they wouldn't have. These are probably like on their persons, you know, mm-hmm. on their bodies. So they wouldn't have like given it up unless they had drowned. On June 15th and 22nd, homemade life vests were found with ties still knotted. And furthermore, there weren't any stories of anything being stolen on the mainland. Mm -hmm. So like, say they get there, you would think that, I'm sure their faces were plastered all over Mm -hmm. everything. So you'd think that they would, somebody would have some sort of story. Mm-hmm. And obviously they would have to steal cars and whatnot, but there weren't any stories to be had. Then in July of 1962, a Norwegian shipping freighter spotted a body about 20 miles away from the Golden Bridge, but they didn't report it until the fall and the body was never recovered. Like, that's the, yeah. like, what's going on there? Why didn't yeah. they report it? It's like, man, so, were you that focused on your work? Like, I got it that you couldn't do a little quick call. <laughs> right, right. So, I mean, the body could be anybody. Yeah. And I would say that you might lose some photos in the whole everything. Yeah. Well, especially if you're swimming. Mm -hmm. But yeah, the chances aren't high with all these factors. There's just a lot of environmental factors. Mm -hmm. And so we'll go into the second theory, which is 
quite obvious, as you've pointed out, and that <laughs> is <laughs> that the men have escaped or had escaped and survived. So one thing to know is that actually many people have been able to swim before without a raft or a life jacket. And that's because San Francisco hosts a triathlon. So all of these people are swimming one and a half miles, actually around the same time of the year. So like in June, and they don't use anything, but they do say that the water is extremely choppy and it's like hard to see. So in theory, yes, when they're doing a triathlon, it's very protected. They have like guards on duty right. and whatnot, but just the ability to swim in the bay, very doable. And growing up, John and Clarence were known, so the brothers were known to be excellent swimmers and amazed their other siblings with swimming in Lake Michigan while ice still floated by. So, and I'm sure, you know, you got your adrenaline going, like the right. cold, like it's just a quick little thing, like it'll just sting and then like you just go. And people say that most of the bodies that drown in the bay will float, but despite extensive searches, their bodies were never. And U.S. Marshals think that they could have survived at least two hours in the water. So again, kind of giving them theoretically enough time if they were to be alive. And the items that were found on Angel's Island make sense with the tide from the main island. So with adrenaline on their side and just if that really was the whole game plan, it all lines up. And the brothers, so the England brothers, Uncle had been in touch with them, which is kind of interesting and just something I like to point out, like, hmm, you've been in touch with them and you're only going to tell us when your deathbed, question mark. And so he Yeah, he's got to protect them. <laughs> yeah, is that what it is? And he told CBS that his grandmother used to receive roses with John and Clarence's signature on the card several years after the escape. So it's like, is this true or is this delusion? I don't know. And there's another theory, which I don't really believe, but they apparently, which is, I don't know, kind of freaky too. Their family said that at funerals, there would be two mysterious women dressed up with heavy makeup, a full outfit that would show up. And so they think that it could possibly be just like in Hi, everybody. This is Shannon from the future. I was editing the episode and I noticed that Alina was breaking up and we did actually lose her during that recording. So we lost her for a couple lines. I'm going to fill it in for us and then we'll carry on. So what Alina just ended was that the family had stories of the funerals where two mysterious older women would come in in a full getup with heavy makeup on. And there were theories that maybe these were the brothers that were coming in disguise. So these people, these women, nobody knew who they were. They, I think, stayed to the side, could very well have been them, or at least that's family lore. Additionally, there were some photos that were leaked later, I believe in the 70s, with two men that were in Brazil and people claimed that they were actually the England brothers and they had fled to Brazil and were living there. I looked at the photo. It's pretty blurry. It's a reach. It's definitely a reach. So Ali and I both feel that this wasn't really a thing, but it is one of those pieces of evidence that people use to show that they had escaped and survived. But who really knows? Okay, now 
back to Alina. So Chanel, where is your uh, tinfoil hat? I don't know, Alina. My tinfoil hat is like, it's really in my, can I have two tinfoil hats and they're both sitting in each, like one in each hand? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Because I think each one is just as likely. I mean, the more exciting one is obviously that they survived. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and they work so hard to get out <laughs> mm-hmm. I just, like I, I know that they're you know criminals and we shouldn't want them out but you know kind of like rooting for the underdog <laughs> come on <laughs> <laughs> but it's tough it's they would have to really start their lives over and mm-hmm. there are a lot of steps obviously to make it mm-hmm. happen so I, I don't know if all of them survived mm-hmm. but it is encouraging that the brothers were super strong swimmers. So like, maybe, maybe, I don't know. But yeah, I think equal parts. I'm equal parts right now. How about you? <sighs> me too. Me too. The logical side of me says they did die, but there's something in me that's like, I don't know. Like, I think this could be the one case, the one story where, like you said, maybe not all of them, but like somebody survived. And I think it could be possible, just like you said, the game plan. Like, I'm sure they went through it mentally, like, over and over again. I can't imagine the adrenaline. You're so close. You've pretty much done it. Like, let's just keep going. I don't know. And you're just so close. You're a mile and a quarter away. That is it. Right. Uh, So I I don't know. I think there's a possibility that they might have escaped and survived. I do think it's possible. Yeah, I don't don't know. Uh. I know. I, I, I also, know. they would be super, well, okay. We'll jump into the aftermath right now because it goes into it. Yeah. But like we mentioned, West cooperated with the officials in the search. Mm-hmm. In the end, he got out of jail, but ended back in prison just because that was like Alina said, kind of like the lifestyle, what you mm-hmm. know. Mm-hmm. But in 2013, someone claiming to be John Anglin wrote to the San Francisco police. And he was basically saying that he was going to come clean if they provided him with treatment for his cancer. And he mentioned that his brother and Frank Morris had died a couple of years prior, but they all escaped mm. on their own. The first part of his letter says, my name is John Anglin. I escaped from Alcatraz in June 1962 with my brother Clarence and Frank Morris. I'm 83 years old and in bad shape. I have cancer. Yes, we made it all. We made it that night, but barely. If you announce on TV that I will be promised to go to first go to jail for no more than a year and get medical attention, I will write back to you to let you know exactly where I am. This is no joke so cryptic (laughs) and the the fbi took the letter they tried to analyze it for handwriting because they did have some letters of john england from back in the day Mm -hmm. so they're trying to analyze the handwriting and any fingerprints that might have been on it and everything came back inconclusive and Mm. they didn't reach back out to this or they didn't we don't know yeah yeah that happened in 2013, but we as the public didn't know about the letter until 2018. It wasn't released to the public. So the FBI held on to it for five years. But that was kind of the last little snippet, uh, potentially, from the actual yeah. brother. I don't know how much I believe it. Obviously, it's like looking for attention. Mm-hmm. 
but it's a uh, it's a possibility yeah and it's interesting when we do some of these episodes how many people claim to be these people like right the, i'm thinking like the amelia Earhart, anastasia anastasia so like similar to this like is this the truth i don't know yeah i mean they didn't throw it out as completely yeah. it's just clearly they held on to the evidence for a while like right they throw it out so it's like they must have been seriously considering this right it's can you imagine? So fascinating. I know. Can you imagine the lore that is in these families, though? My great uncle. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Potentially like, escaped. <laughs> was the one who did it. Yeah. Incredible. Fascinating. Yeah. Man, oh man. We would love to hear what you guys have to think about this. Because as you heard, Shin and I are just 50-50. And I think this really is a toss-up. But let us know. And we'll definitely post the pictures of everyone, all the guys on our Instagram <laughs> at Beirut's Pod. Uh, we'd love to hear what you have to say and be sure to give us a five-star review, you know, whatever you're listening to, Spotify, Apple Music or Apple Podcasts, whatever, you know, if you just want to scroll on by, give us a review. Yeah. And we hope you guys have a great New Year's. Like that's another thing. This is our last episode of the year. So we are going to start the new year with another great season right and merry christmas because it's also not christmas yet <laughs> yeah happy christmas happy hanukkah you know happy new right. year right happy, happy holidays holidays <laughs> <laughs> so i will see you guys in the new year have a good one bye bye